strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I seek. All I have needed, my hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Before you put your hymn books down, let's do one more. Turn with me to number 23. Now, now let's do God is so good in the key of F. Number 23 says God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. So good to He cares for me. He cares for me. He cares for me. He cares for me. He's so good to I love him so. I love him so I love him so I love him so he's so good I praise his name I praise his name I praise his name I Praise His name, He's so good to me. And we have so much to be thankful for today. Never get to that place where you think God ran out of blessings when He got to your house. No, we have a lot to be thankful for. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. This is the day the Lord hath made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. You need to take advantage of the opportunity always to come to assemble and to study the Word of God. That's where our strength is. And that's where our motive is. It's the Word of God that liveth and abideth forever. We're glad to have you here today. And if you are visiting with us, we do warmly welcome you to this service. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we're so thankful to thee that this is the day the Lord hath made and enable us to rejoice and to be glad in it. We thank thee for your care for us. We thank you for your provisions for us. But especially do we thank you for your blessed son whom you gave for our sin offering on the cross of Calvary. And our hope and our confidence is in him and him alone. We have no other salvation apart from that which is in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for unsaved people. We do not know. We cannot read hearts, but Lord, thou dost know. And if there are those present today who've never been converted, never been saved by your marvelous grace, May this be the day that they'll hear the gospel and enable them to respond by looking to Christ as Lord and Savior. Bless this offering. We thank thee for the opportunity we have of giving, having a part in your service. Be with us as we receive that at this hour. For we ask these things in Christ's name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
Now then, the best thing that I can do for you today is to read and to present to you the Word of God that liveth and abideth forever. I hope you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you follow along with this particular passage of Scripture. It's one that is located in a very familiar place in the Scripture, Psalm number 51, and we will read noticing very carefully verses 1 through 12. We live, dear friends, in dangerous times. You know, parents used to many years ago, if their children were going to go to school or if they were going out for a while, if they're going to play somewhere, the parent was very careful to say, you be very careful. You take care of yourself. And then we came through a period of time when we didn't do that anymore, and too many of them got bumped off. They got annihilated by the enemy. But I'm telling you, dear friends, we live in very dangerous times, and they're all around us. And God is merciful in that we do not see them with the naked eye as clearly as God sees them, because they're on every hand and at every location. In the 51st Psalm, the David of the Scripture reads and gives us this great psalm. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly or throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And should we choose a text, I would direct you to verse 5 once again. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Never did I ever believe we would live in a day when people do that which is wrong and sinful and disturbing and have no reason for it. You know, we have four children, and when they were small, uh, especially the bad part belonged to the boys. The good part always belonged to the girls. But when the boys got into it, one of them would come running and say, well, Mark hit me, and I'm, I hit him back. Well, you hit him back. Why'd you hide it? hit him back? Because he hit me. He had a reason for it. But folk today are sinning against God Almighty, and they have no reason for it. It is murder without purpose. There does not need to be any underlying causes that bring it about. Just somebody needed something to do and they were bored stiff so they just picked up a gun and shot your brains out. 
And everybody seemed to accept that all right because, you know, those are the times we're living in. Sin is lightly spoken of today. We hear so much about mistakes. We hear so much about disorder, but we don't hear enough about the Bible subject of sin. David describes his behavior as rotten. He describes what he has done before God Almighty as rotten. And I want to speak to you, if I could, for a few moments today on the reason for rotten behavior. Why do people do such bad things? And they never give it a second thought. Why is it that there seems to be a payroll today for people who do the worst things and they get rewarded more than anybody else? Why is it that our one-time wonderful America city and country of God Almighty has been disrupted by lawbreakers and sin winders and those who hate God and refuse to bow the knee and refuse to confess with the tongue? What's the reason for the rotten behavior that we're living in today? If you haven't noticed that, You've been sleeping or taking too many naps. It's everywhere you look, everywhere you go, every news organization carries it, and on and on it goes. There is a three-headed monster that David introduces us to in verses 1 and 2. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. And he gives us the name of the first one. Blot out my transgressions. My transgressions. The second one you find right close attached to it in verse number two. Watch me thoroughly from mine iniquity. My iniquity. And thirdly, cleanse me from my sin. Now, this same three-headed monster is found clearly in the 51st Psalm, verses 1 through 2. But it is also found in some other places as well. For instance, in Psalm 136, verses 1 through 26, and also in Psalm 58, verse number 3, it talks about our transgressions and uh, our iniquities and sin by those particular names, which are terrible, awful sins. The whole entire 51st Psalm is given to David's acknowledgement that he had really made some serious mistakes here. He had sinned against God by taking a man's wife who was not his wife and treated though she were his wife. And he called her name Bathsheba and he defiled her. And not only did he force her against her will, he brought her husband Uriah from the front line of the battle that Uriah made go and see his wife for a few days and he would get blamed for the baby that was being born to that unholy union. But Uriah being more honorable even than David said, I can't do that. I should be on the front line fighting with my brothers and I can't take time out for home matters. And David had to go a different route. And so he had Uriah placed on the front line of battle where he would surely meet with death He's going to try now and kill the perpetrator. He's going to try and kill the one who was covering it all up by the name of Uriah. And Uriah was killed, but he forgot one important thing. The eyes of the Lord in every place, beholding the good and the bad. God knows what we do, and God knows what we think to do. And God knows we need some clarification on this 51st Psalm today about the reason for such rotten behavior. Terrible thing. Rotten behavior has always been a characteristic of the human race 
but I've never seen it quite so clearly in the eyes of those who don't have to give a reason for it. Those who are detectives, those who are detectives by science, they've gone to school and they've learned how to apprehend criminals and they've learned to recognize things that are not right in an individual and start blaming certain things for their behavior. They don't do that anymore. Just little insignificant things and you read about it and you wonder, we've all gone crazy. Brother Roloff was right when he said all sin is insanity. Now you think about that for a moment. All sin is insanity. If I commit it, it's insanity. If you commit it, it's insanity. If it doesn't make sense at all, or if it does make sense, it's still insanity. I was noticing certain news events to illustrate this point. There was a man this last week who shot his neighbor. And you know why he shot his neighbor? Because his neighbor was using a weave or a leaf blower blowing leaves off of the ground where he lived. And the other man who lived next door said, I don't like all that noise. It's awfully bothersome. Just don't do it. Don't do it for right now. He said, no, it needs to be done right now, and I'm going to do it. So the one who was complaining about it said, I can take care of that. He pulled out a pistol and blew his brains out. And that's about all you'll ever hear that again. I mean, he didn't, he didn't blow leaves anymore. Well, why did he do that? You're not told. He thought it was a good idea. And he did just that. I noticed where a man pushed a woman onto a subway track in New York City, walked up behind her, waited till the train was coming through, and at a certain time, he just pushed her deliberately onto the tracks and stood there with his arms folded and watched the train grind her to death. And nobody can do anything about it. I mean, she just got in the way, and he got rid of the problem. I noticed another man slipped up behind a woman, and he broke her neck with an instrument in his hand, hit her one time right in the back nap of her neck, broke her neck and killed her, and everything's all right. She, she don't walk that way anymore. What's happening to us, ladies and gentlemen? You tell me what's taking place. And on and on we could go with other illustrations, which will take a moment to do that. We need to have this impressed in our minds. Some of these we're familiar with. Others we may not be too familiar with. But rotten behavior has always been a characteristic of the human race. Rotten behavior has always been a characteristic of the human race. Cain did not like it because God received Abel's offering and rejected his offering. And Cain had obviously a, show, a, a shovel and he had an instrument that he used and he swung that instrument and killed his brother Abel and buried him in the dirt. I wrote a note to Dan Cozart this morning and the note said this Dan who taught Cain how to do that who taught him how this is how you get rid of a brother you don't like just kill him get rid of him rottenness the rottenness of the behavior of sin Noah's day described it in Genesis chapter 6 Verse 5 and 12, listen to it, church. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that's been 6,000 years ago or longer. And that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. You say, well, things are not quite as bad today. I think they probably are worse today than they were back then because nobody, I mean nobody, wants to do anything about it. And by all means, you don't want to exercise 
your freedom of speech because you'd go to jail for the rest of your life for talking about it. It's a dangerous time in which we live. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. Well, it wouldn't bother you too much unless your name was Joseph. But when his brothers got tired of Joseph always revealing dreams unto them and telling them how good his daddy was and the grace of God was, they, they took care of the problem. They sold him into slavery. And not only that, but he was in solitary confinement for a long, long time. Didn't think too much about that. Pharaohs fed these male Jewish babies if a female baby was born, of course, we wouldn't have to worry about that today. We don't have any females anymore, do we? We don't have any males today, do we? We just have walking zombies. We haven't figured it out what they are, but don't worry about it. It's going to be better tomorrow. No, it's not going to be better tomorrow. It's going to get worse and worse and worse because we're not doing anything about it. It doesn't bother us like it once bothered us. Pharaoh fed these male Jewish babies to the alligators. He loved to hear the crackling of bones, babies' bones, as the alligators would close their mouths on these little infants. Huh? Anybody do anything about that? No, not a thing. Eli's two sons, you remember, would take some of the women who came to the tabernacle to pray, and he'd rape them after they got there. Nobody bothered by that perfectly all right you see Judas betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver 30 rotten pieces of silver that's what he sold him for and he went out and committed suicide Christ was brutally slaughtered on the cross at Calvary and my dear friends the only thing he ever did was to lay down his life for sinners and to call the redeemed in Rotten behavior still goes on today. Rotten behavior still goes on today. It has not changed its nature at all. A mother walking her little girl to school, holding her by the hand, was attacked by a sniper who shot to death the little girl. He got a big kick out of that. That's probably one of the best things happened to him in a long, long time. 1984 to 1993, there were 216,986 murders that took place in the United States of America. That's according to U.S. News and World Report, May the 25th, as back in 1998. What do you think's happening today? In May 21st, 1998, Springfield, Oregon, Kiplin Kingle, 15 years old, went to school with a gun and sprayed a gym with gunfire, killing two and wounding 23 others, including killing his parents. It was reported he put his foot on the back of one kid and shot him four times. <laughs> he killed him four times because he just didn't get enough kick out of killing him one time. Let's just kill him four times. You got six bullets in a revolver, use all six of them. Kill them six times. That's the mindset of people today. And sometimes we are alarmed when we find out some of these people become our next door neighbors. And they've been living there the whole time, but something's got their mind all messed up. October 1997, remember this one, Pearl, Mississippi. A student took a 30-30 rifle to school and killing nine and also turned and killed his own mama. He didn't care too much for mama either, just killed her with the rest of them. Jonesboro, Arkansas, a student took a gun to a school dance and killed four students plus the teacher. Always get me sure. You get the teacher while you're there. June 1998, Jasper, Texas, three white men drug a black man on back of a pickup truck several miles until his head and his right arm were torn off. They like that one. That, that, that's good. I mean, that's what you do on Saturday night when you don't have anything else to do. 
May 24, 1998. I remember this because it happened to our church. But it happened before we moved our church here. We met in the women's business hall on, on South Broadway for about two years there. And we would count the money that the people had given for the cause of Christ. And we had a little place in the, in the front, a little room there in the front. And while we were having services, a, a, a gang of four people, two, three, four, they came in the front door of the church very quietly. They took the money and they left. Three of them were boys and one of them was a girl. And they took it up to Bergfell Park and emptied all the money out and the containers out. And at least, you know, that we need to do that more often. I mean, that's how you raise offering pretty quick, isn't it? Nobody seemed to be too concerned about that. Now, where does all this rotten behavior come from? What causes it? What's the reason for rotten behavior? This brings me to the first point in this message this morning. The cause of rotten behavior. Psalm 51 verse 5 makes it very clear. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. That word shapen in iniquity has to do with perversity and in sin did my mother conceive me. There's nothing wrong with a mother conceiving and having a baby in wedlock. He's not talking about that, but he's talking about every human being that's born into this world is born wrong. There's something wrong with us. We find it easier to tell a lie than it is to tell the truth. We find that even we have to tell our children there's a difference between telling the lie and the truth because we have a propensity. We have a propensity to do that which is wrong rather than to do that which is right. It's far better to steal something you want than to have to work for it. There's something wrong with our thinking. There's something wrong that causes us to do these things. Now we have some faulty psychological answers. What are some of these answers that I have read about and maybe you have heard about? One is poverty. That's the reason kids are having such a terrible time wanting to steal from others. Those who are brought up in poverty can be expected to take and steal from others. They're really not the blame. Have you ever heard that before? And then there's race and color. Minority races have been mistreated by society and this is why they resort to violence. They cannot be blamed. Alcohol and drug addiction, they cannot be blamed because they're not aware of what they did. Uncooperative genes in the body, chemistry of some make it for such bad Behavior. We tried to figure all this out, and not one time have we opened up the Bible. What does the Scripture say? What's the problem? Bad childhood experiences involving abuse causes rotten behavior. This would include dysfunctional families. That's why people are dysfunctional, because they're born dysfunctional. Television and Hollywood violence are worse today than they have ever been, than they have ever been. Because you don't have to go to the movie theater to see it. It's right there on your television set, wide open, and it's not rated PG or X-rated. It's all bad. And nobody said anything about it. Lack of recreational entertainment facilities People do things bad because they don't have anything else to do. We need to build some more basketball courts, and that would take care of the problem. And it's most amazing how people adhere to advice given by faulty psychological answers. But the scripture answer, why do people do stupid things that have no reasoning whatsoever behind it? Why is that so? 
David was born into the world with a depraved nature. By the way, so was I. And so were you. Every one of us were born with a depraved nature. He was conceived with a natural propensity to do toward evil. So it is with every human being. We have a nature that loves rebellion and we have a nature that loves sin. Psalm 58, verse number 3. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, seeking lies. You know, you have to teach truth, but you never have to teach error. We believe that just as natural as we hear it. We'd rather, as a matter of fact, hear error because it's a little bit more exciting than truth is. The Bible has something to say about it. In Ephesians 2, 3, we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, just like everybody else. Judas was a baby in his mother's arms before he ever grew up. But he's the dude that's going to sell the Lord for a certain amount of silver. Pharaoh was a baby at one time, and yet he would grow up feeding babies to the alligators. Lee Harvey Oswald was a baby at one time, and if the reports are true, whether you would go with this or not is immaterial, but if the reports are true, he knew when he cocked that gun and when he pulled the trigger, and he knew when he aimed at the president that he's going to kill somebody. Didn't matter. It just did not matter. Hitler was a baby at one time. I'm glad he didn't stay a baby, but he was a baby at one time. The control of rotten behavior. All men are depraved to the same extent, but not to the same degree. Could we agree on that? All men are depraved to the same extent. We're all dead in trespasses and in sins, but not to the same degree. I think that's quite obvious. A six-month corpse is in worse condition than a six-minute corpse, yet both are dead. Some people are just meaner than others. Some do things that others would never dream of doing. The behavior of some is more controlled than others. Now what accounts for this? Why is that so? And it is so. Not everybody is as bad as they could be. They're plenty bad as they are, but they're not as bad as they could be. Why is that so? We're seeing today the moral disintegration of our nation. Large cities all over the United States have been plagued with people, with kids, with gangs, with sodbusters who come storming into the city and shooting everything in their path with the agreement of the mayor and leaders of the political party of a certain city. Nobody doing anything about it. We like to talk about it. We don't do anything. What controls is what accounts for this. This, this moral disintegration. One of the greatest reasons for the condition is the lack of criminal prosecution. I've contended for that in this church ever since I've been pastor here. We made a big mistake when we started saying you don't need policemen and you don't need police officers, and you don't need to send people into jail. You need to rehabilitate them and make them feel comfortable while they're there. That's why we are in the mess we're in today. No prosecution. No prosecution. In the 13th chapter of the book of uh, Romans, if you'll take a moment to turn there, Romans chapter number 13 what does the scripture have to say about that? And it does have something to say about it. Some deterrence. <clears throat> Before I read that, 
properly administered discipline in the home is a deterrent to it. Doesn't mean you're not going to have it occasionally, but it does mean you can stop having a whole landslide sale of it. What do you mean? I mean that certain things are wrong when we do them in the home and we ought to take a stand against that and stop doing them. And even tell our children that it's a very dangerous thing that you've got a computer or a machine that can get in all the filth of the atmosphere roundabout and never control or monitor it. We, com we, we completely add, put our stamp of approval on it when we do nothing and say, well, we let them make their own decision. Listen, where were you when you used to make your own decisions? And what happened? We made the wrong decisions. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, <laughs> but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. I tell you what, I was raised on peach tree psychology, and my mother knew exactly how much of a limb of a tree to wear out on my rear end when I didn't do what I ought to do. We don't have any of that today. Well, if you do, the parent has to go to jail for it. That's right. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14 says, Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest... <laughs> Don't you just love the King James? <laughs> if you beat him with the rod, he ain't going to die. You'll think he's dying. But he won't die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod, and you'll deliver his soul from hell. That's straight, isn't it? And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 13, Eli's two sons were just as wicked as they could be. They made themselves vile, but Eli wouldn't do a thing in the world about it. So God arranged for Eli to fall off of his throne and break his neck. Got rid of that crooked priest right quick. Proper instruction in example in righteousness in the home. In 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 15, But continue in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. That's why it's so important that moms and dads bring their children to church. They don't send their children to a church that has a program designed for children. They go with their children to church and families go to church together. Let everyone know that thou hast learned them and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise under salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now I don't know how valuable this is but we're going to throw it in. Choosing the right kind of friends. Be careful who you hobnob with. Be careful who you run around with. Peers can destroy you quickly. And then there's law enforcement and the execution of justice. The countries which enforce this have a much lower crime rate than the United States. It is a deterrent to aberrant behavior. That's prosecuting according to the law. You get caught doing this, you're going to pay for it. And I don't mean just for a weekend. You're going to be there for 10 years. Back in Carolina, before we came out to Texas, it was quite often you could take a, just an afternoon, Sunday afternoon ride in your automobile. Whether it's Sunday, whether it was Monday, whether it's Wednesday, and you'd see convicts. You know who convicts are? You'd see they'd broken the law and they had big old steel balls attached to the legs of these convicts and they were out in the fields either cutting grass or working or paying off the deadness to society that they had incurred through illegal behavior. Until somebody came along and said, oh, that's a little bit inhuman. So we traded the inhuman for absolute insanity. The bunch in Carolina is crazy as a bug now. 
Nobody's doing anything. Let's look at this 13th of Romans that I called out to you. Criminal prosecution. Does the Bible teach it? Let every soul, that's Romans 13, verse 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power or no authority but of God. But powers, they are of ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power or the authority resisteth the ordinance of God. People who have no respect for law and order, they don't like God because God is the author of law and authority. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power, the authority? Do that which is good, and you'll have praise of the same. For he, that is the man who executes that office, whether he be the preacher, whether he be the highway patrolman, whether he be the police officer, whoever he might be, that man is the minister of God to do you good. But if you do that which is evil, be afraid. You better watch out now. <laughs> afraid of what? Afraid of police officers. Aren't you afraid of them? Well, why do you do what I do? I crank my car and I'm in exceeding speed limit and I always keep my eye fixed on rear view mirror. Huh? Don't you do the same thing? We fear them. There's a law that says you cannot do that. And if you do that, we're going to get you one way or the other. Wherefore, you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For this is the cause that we pay tribute or pay taxes also. For they are God's ministers. Who are God's ministers? Those who execute police authority. They're God's ministers. They may not always act like God's ministers, but there's a position they hold in society that keeps it working like it should. Attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore unto all their dues. Don't talk about cutting their salaries. Raise them. Tribute to whom tribute due. Tribute to whom tribute due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, because of this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not. Did you know those things are still wrong? They're still wrong today. Still in the Bible today. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt, if there be any other commandment, it's briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no will to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that's the key to it, knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of our sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Now watch how it closes out. Let us walk honestly in the day. Not in rioting. Now, the Greek and the Hebrew, if you really follow it closely, you find out that it has the same meaning. It means not in rioting. 
Don't get you a bunch of people and get you a bunch of sticks and a bunch of horns and get out here and act like a bunch of fools. Don't do that. Not in rioting. And drunkenness. Not in chamberling and wantonness, sexual sins, not in strife and envying, but instead of that, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Law enforcement. I believe that is one of the great answers to the lawless problem that we and I, we as a people are being faced with today. Maybe one other thing. What is the cure for rotten behavior? Go back to Psalm 51. David has given us an example of rotten behavior and he tells you what the cure for it is in verse 7 and in verse number 10. Psalm 51, verses 7 and 10. Verse 7 says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, I shall be whiter than snow. And in verse 10, Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, you see, sin is a heart problem. It's not a head problem. It is a heart problem. And if the heart's wrong, the head's going to be wrong also. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. The cleansing of all sin comes only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He shed his blood to cleanse us from our sins, and salvation can only be found in him. The instilling of a new mind and a new heart, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, Instead of hurting people, we find ourselves wanting to help people. Instead of doing that which is wrong, we find out that doing right isn't a bad idea. In other words, it changes our mind, our concept of how we approach life and what's important and what's not important. And then you have that great verse over in Galatians 2, verses 20 through 21, oneness in Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the cure to the absurd awfulness of sin and the foolishness of it that's so fast taking our homes and our schools. Have you noticed that those who perpetrate this, what their target is. Daddy, it's not you they're after. It's your children that they're after. They want to take that darling little girl that God gave you and make a boy out of her. And they take that son that God gave you and they say we want to make a girl out of him. And we're going to do it without your permission. And we're going to do it whether you like it or not. If there ever was a time when God's people ought to get serious about sin and its recognition today of our schools and our homes and our churches, we're living in that time. God help me to be one of them that will do it. And God help you to be one of them to do it. To take a stand for that which is right. You forget the Democrat. You forget the Republican. You forget the little political namesakes. You stand for the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. And that's where the victory comes. But until then, until then, we're in for a ride. <laughs> I wish I had some good news to offer you to say, you know what, it, it's all going to work. It, the bad usually works out and the good comes in. Well, not this time. Uh, we're at the very, and I, and I close with this church. I believe, and I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but I sure don't want to sound like an idiot either. We're on the very verge 
of losing anything and everything that's decent and holy that has made this nation the greatest nation on the face of this earth. And if God's people don't wake up, and if we don't come to the altar, you say, I don't believe in coming to the altar. Well, stay at home, go in the potato house, but go somewhere where you can get along with God and talk to God about this thing. And if God puts a burden on your heart, you do that which is right, following the scripture and encouraging others to do the same thing to avoid this terrible, awful plague that we're in. I hope that God will wake us up to that. Let's stand, please, for prayer. Dear Father in heaven, forgive us for taking you for granted, knowing that when we go to church, you'll always be there. And Father, regardless of what the outbreak of sin might bring about, you'll always be there. Oh, God, teach us the meaning of repentance. We have failed you in so many ways. Help us to repent and mean it with all of our heart. Lord, make a different Christian out of me. Help me to stand for the word of God and to stand for that which is right and to demonstrate it to others also. And Father, I do pray for a lost people today who will never be any better than what they are, lost, born in sin, and need a Savior, and only Christ can save. For we ask these things in Christ's name. For his sake we pray these prayers. Amen and amen. Let's sing before we leave. Brother Roger. If you will take your hymn book.